epilogue of the subjection of isabel carnaby this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the subjection of isabel carnaby by ellen thorneycroft fowler epilogue three years had come and gone since the events narrated in the last chapter in a house in prince's garden a man and a woman were sitting over their dessert i can just finish this cigarette and then i must get back to the house my sweet the man said the woman rose from her seat at the head of the table and came round to her husband's side perching herself on the arm of his chair it's a funny thing she said with a sigh a very funny thing but you were right and i was wrong after all he laughed he knew how very remarkable it always seemed to her to find herself in the wrong as how he asked putting his arm round her oh about politics and things i thought you'd smash up the party and ruin the country when you got into the cabinet but you've done neither the one nor the other again the man laughed it is amazing how little permanent mischief even the most gifted and indefatigable of politicians are able to accomplish the mistakes of the greatest statesmen are not nearly so irremediable as they would fain believe the great forces of nature and the permanent staff pursue the even tenor of their way regardless of changing governments or fluctuating parties and nothing really makes much difference nothing really ever does make much difference to anybody replied the woman except dying and getting married but i believe that everything did said the man when i was young and unofficial in fact in those far-off times there was precious little that i did not believe i used to think you much too high-flown an ideal you know so i was when revelling in the unsubstantial pageants of private membership or irresponsible office but then the cabinet like an angel came and whipped the offending adam out of me in my unofficial and unregenerate days i aimed at the stars and a very good thing too paul it is the people who aim at the stars that succeed in sweeping their own chimneys and the people who set out to ascend the jungfrau that manage to get to the top of notting hill now stupid sensible people like myself and wrexham for instance only aim at the chimneys and so do nothing better than ring the front door-bell we set out for notting hill and get no further than the albert memorial which things are an allegory it is quite true as a distinguished statesman once remarked that politics is the science of the second best i suppose when you come to that most things in this world are the man's arm tightened round her except one he said and the reality of that exceeds the wildest dreams of the maddest idealist his wife nestled up to him you are a very successful man paul and have had a good many cups of happiness put to your lips the cup of success and the cup of fame and the cup of power and the cup of rank and in fact quite a trayful of them which do you like best of all there is no comparison my darling he answered with a laugh of absolute content 
of all the cups of happiness that have been put to my lips i have found none to compare with the falsely so-called weaker vessel and so with your permission i will just put my lips to it again and he kissed her with all the rapture of a lover the scene changes on the lawn in front of an old-fashioned manor-house a man and two women were having tea a small girl of two years old was trotting about from one to the other while a baby boy lay asleep in a perambulator i consider that it is almost time for lisa to have a thimble of her own remarked the elder of the women when i was two and a half years of age i could sew quite neatly and at three i joined the village dorcas meeting by jove mother but you were an extra forward one exclaimed the man who was lying full length on the grass at his wife's feet his teacup in a position of imminent danger at his elbow you can't expect the poor little kitty to be as clever as her grandmother that charles is what i do expect the training of a child cannot begin too early when i was four i read the fairchild family aloud to my dear mother and at five i was conversant with all the information contained in near home and far off lisa's mother smiled languidly if you gave her a thimble now she would probably swallow it and i've always understood that thimbles are most indigestible but the old lady shook her head i never swallowed anything at that age nor did my sister maria a shout of laughter emanated from the figure on the grass his sense of humour had ever been elemental great scott mother you must have been wonderful children do you mean to tell me that you and aunt maria never had anything to eat or drink charles do not be ribald what i mean is that my sister maria and i never swallowed anything that was not intended for swallowing we were too well trained well it strikes me that you swallowed a good deal one way or another if you were dosed with near home and far off to say nothing of the fairchild family eh mother charles i cannot permit you to be irreverent it is an atrocious habit for the young and i beg you will not allow yourself to fall into it the man did not reply to his mother but he looked up into his wife's dark eyes and smiled and she smiled back stroking his yellow hair as she did so as they were both still on the sunny side of thirty it struck them as distinctly funny to be referred to as the young ten years later they would have accepted as a compliment what they now treated as a joke but that is the rule of life the sarcasms of to-day are the compliments of to-morrow and yesterday's sneers are to-day's plaudits so we learn as we grow older to be thankful for small mercies as to the volumes you mention continued the elder lady quite unconscious of the fact that she was affording much amusement to her juniors i derive from them immense benefit in fact all my present knowledge of tibet i owe to the reading of far off or asia described so i can believe murmured her daughter-in-law but fortunately nobody heard her at this moment the youthful lisa made a gallant attempt to sit down upon her father's teacup and was only saved from doing so by the prompt action of that parent himself but her grandmother went on undisturbed 
as soon as she is old enough to understand it i shall read portions of the fair child family aloud to lisa as i know no book more fitted to open the eyes of a child to good sound protestant doctrine by jove it does that exclaimed her son who had been himself brought up on the work in question and gives you the shiver sometimes into the bargain if you can make her as good a woman as you are said the younger woman i shall be thankful for you to read to her anything that you choose thank you fabia and if she is as good a daughter to you as you have been a daughter-in-law to me you will have indeed cause for thankfulness and i shall probably find my old copies of near home and far off and read those to her as well as i do not approve of modern books of travel they give young people such erroneous ideas i read one only yesterday which said that the south pole was actually colder than the north pole and that is obviously absurd as the north must in the course of nature be always colder than the south i consider that these modern habits of proving that black is white and hot is cold and north is south are extremely unsettling to the young and frequently lead to atheism once more the scene changes in a large church in the east end of london the newly appointed bishop of shoreditch was preaching to a vast congregation he held them spellbound for he was one of the most striking preachers of his day a man who had already risen to high office in his church and who was destined and fitted to rise still higher a man who had been as a beacon set on a hill to countless struggling christians and who being endowed with wisdom from on high had succeeded in bringing many to righteousness in one of the foremost pews in the church two women and a little boy were sitting drinking in every word of the preacher's discourse and filled with pride and exultation because of him for to them he had been respectively the most dutiful of sons the most devoted of husbands the most loving of fathers and now they rejoiced that at last he was entering into the fruits of his labours at least the two women rejoiced the boy was as yet too young to understand anything save that all these hundreds of people were listening to his father and that he ought to be proud indeed of being the son of so great a preacher as for the preacher himself the lord had brought him out of prison that he might praise his name also the lord had given him twice as much as he had before he had gone through much tribulation but his faith in god had never faltered and now he saw the end of the lord that the lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy he forgot his misery and remembered it only as waters that pass away for at last the lines had fallen to him in pleasant places and he had a goodly heritage for the third and last time the scene changes upon the shores of an island in the southern seas three men one white and two black were walking up and down engaged in earnest conversation the white man was a newly ordained missionary who had but recently come to these parts but who had already made his mark there by the untiring zeal and unflagging enthusiasm which he displayed in his master's service 
the blacks were two native priests whose sacerdotal pride and love of power were up in arms against the new faith which was gradually sapping their influence for evil and supplanting their religion of hate and cruelty by the worship of the god of love the bishop of that district had come on a visit to this particular island in response to an invitation from the chief of the savage tribe which dwelt there a man considerably in advance of his race and people who was anxious to learn and to embrace the doctrines of christianity the young anglican had rowed the bishop over from the missionary station and was now waiting his boat securely stranded on the beach while the bishop and the chief held private converse together in the hut of the latter some few hundred yards away it was the opportunity of the native priests and they took it they were well aware that the man before them was one of the most ardent and untiring of all the hated band of missionaries and they believed that if he were once out of the way his weaker and less impressive brethren would soon follow and that thus their island would once more be left secure in the fetters of its former heathenism of the bishop they did not take much account he was growing old and his sphere of work was so wide that he could visit each particular island but rarely but this man was in the prime of life not much over thirty and was distinguished by considerable personal beauty moreover his labours were confined to this particular corner of his master's vineyard and he was seen frequently in this island preaching the gospel which the native priests hated and promulgating the religion which they regarded with dread at first the two natives approached him in a friendly and commercial spirit walking up and down the shore with him arm in arm and endeavouring by means of costly presents to bribe him to go away and trouble them no more but to their surprise he refused and would have none of their skins and furs and feathers then they became angry and threatened him told him that unless he would give his word as a white man that word which could never be broken that he would not visit their island again nor attempt further to convert its chief to christianity they would kill him then and there and still he smiled his serene smile and bade them hear in their own tongue some of the wonderful works of god and then as they looked steadfastly on him they saw his face as it had been the face of an angel and the devils that were in them were filled with that hatred which the sons of darkness ever feel towards the children of light the hatred which persecuted job and stoned stephen and crucified the christ so the two savages fell upon the european and slew him then and there and then fled into the dense forest to hide themselves until the wrath of their chieftain on finding that his people had murdered one of his beloved missionaries should be overpassed when the visitation of the bishop was ended and he returned to his boat he found the young missionary lying dead upon the shore pierced through with many arrows for the life which was twice redeemed first by the master himself and then by the master's servant had been freely and willingly given up to god the end end of epilogue end of the subjection of isabel carnaby by ellen thornycroft fowler